It is the best name for any podcast I've ever heard. It's just genius. Hello and welcome back to Attention Seekers. And today we have the Unlocked special podcast, including a chat from our editorial team and hearing from the speakers and delegates that were there at the event. But firstly, welcome to the studio, Robin Langford, Sarah Dennis, Joe Arthur and myself, Lucy Shelley. Is this the first time we're all here together in the studio? I think so, yeah. yeah I know so. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> this is quite a moment. We will be talking about our event, Unlocked, which happened last week. Our two-day exhibition conference with 800 delegates in attendance. We heard from some amazing brands, including Budweiser, Depop, EA Games, Sky, HSBC, Lloyds, Samsung, Vitality, Just Eat, and the list goes on. That's not even half the list. There were so many people there. And some great takeaways. So I thought for the first bit of this podcast, we'd just find out what we thought of the event and what it means for the wider industry. So, Robin, let's start with you. What are your biggest takeaways? Yeah, well, I can only talk about the sessions that I was involved in. I, I was a bit envious. I couldn't see some of the other sessions that all you guys chaired because there were three different streams on, on both days. So there was fascinating stuff. I thought, oh, I really want to see that, but there's I'm on another stage. So the ones I saw were fantastic and really well received um and if people want to read more of my thoughts i've got an editor's column on pmw nice little plug there you notice that lucy um so do do give that a read i look at the sort of some of the some of the really big themes particularly about the sort of identity crisis that performance marketing is having but in a really good way if you kind of read it you'll, you'll see what i mean by that um so i thought for this podcast i'd t- take a slightly lighter note and look at my three favorite jokes from the conference and ask performance marketers you know we love a good joke and we even ask for that uh in one of our in our performance videos and if you want to catch up on that on our site um so there are jokes about performance marketing if you if you can believe it um so my favorite three i'm going to list them now no pressure on the no delivery. pressure it's, it's the delivery <laughs> here joe yes, i know yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well i'll have a go let's see how if so you can all judge me on this um Avanish Kalshik, who is Chief Strategy Officer for Crowd, he also had 15 years experience at Google as well. And um, he was talking about attribution or one of those key core parts of performance marketing. And he got very irate about marketers that are just looking at last click attribution. It's a bit of a bugbear in the industry. But he talked about one client that's actually just using first click attribution. And he was saying, that was like giving my, my first girlfriend the credit for me marrying my wife. <laughs> yeah, I know oh, that's a bit of forced laughter but in the studio. <laughs> yeah. But it got a much more, uh, he delivered it way better Belly than me. Laughs. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but it was a nice way of um, explaining how it works as well and how you really, uh, where you give the credit, where the credit's due, which is basically what attribution's about. And he talked about incrementality as well, which is really fascinating. And he is writing an article for us uh, later in, in, uh, in March. So do keep an eye out for that. Do we think his wife would have appreciated the joke? <laughs> <laughs> well, well, yeah, I think, I think, I think it's in favour. I think yeah. it's in favour of her, yeah. Anyway. We um, also heard, actually, uh, later on in the podcast, we're going to be hearing a clip from Henry from Silvertip Digital, who says has the similar thing. He finds last-click land, he calls it, overrated. It's what he overrated from uh, informants marketing. And I asked him what he what land he would rather be in, and I think he came up with a full-click, first-click, last-click, everything-click land. So okay. I think that's... <laughs> uh, which you said in your editor's column is where we are kind of becoming. It's not just lower funnel. Mm. It, it was very, the whole conversation, the event was very much a whole funnel mm. uh, approach now. And, and not even any clicks, you know, just just scrolling and just lingering on certain things and all sorts of things are being measured nowadays. 
Um, my second joke, I'll try and reel through these quickly. Um, <laughs> yes, here we go. Um, was Kate Cox, um, Chief Marketing Officer at Brightbid, talking about ChatGPT. It was really a key theme throughout, across a lot of the sessions that unlocked. Um, and she was charting how the latest iteration of ChatGPT3 um, has the brain synapses of a hedgehog. And so it's still got quite some way to go before it reaches the uh, brain synapses of a human. And she also talked about red striped hyenas and things like that. But apparently the the, the most animal with the most synapses is a blue whale, which I think might be smarter than a human. Yeah, I think I think she said, yeah, so it was ChatGPT3 has the synapses of a hedgehog and ChatGPT4 has the synapses of a squirrel. That's it. So we're, we are increasing slowly. Wouldn't know if that's an upgrade or a downgrade. I mean, I know. I mean, I, yeah. I mean, I could have thought squirrels slightly bigger uh, head, maybe. Assumably. <laughs> I've seen some pretty stupid squirrels. <laughs> Especially in London. I as haven't well. had many run-ins they're, with they're hedgehogs, bit, to be fair. Yeah, a bit kamikaze. But yes, Sam Holt and Nick Travis from Performix and Lloyd's, respectively, in a panel that I discussed on Search 2.0, Is It the End of Just Google It? And we were talking about ChatGPT and... Similar to how it's been compared to a hedgehog, they were saying that people are holding it to too high of a regard, saying that if they make a mistake in, in the responses, that it oh, is the worst thing in the world. How, how could they afford to make that kind of mistake? But we don't even hold our friends and family to that kind of exactly. accountability. Yeah, you're saying that he's, he's really lenient on what his, his brother says, but he'll be really hard on what ChatGPT says. And that's, it's interesting. very greedy very quickly. This thing that didn't exist yeah. not that long yeah. ago, all of a sudden we're expecting it to come up with perfect answers to every question mm. in seconds. Well, wasn't there a couple of instances where people were talking about in their own lives using ChatGPT, um, and this is at Unlocked, um, either themselves or their children, and you went back to it and said, make it better. And it did. So, <laughs> yeah, that's the. I mean, it do, it does improve and it does get better. But I mean, I think we're probably holding it to a higher account because I mean, that's it makes us feel safer, doesn't it? Right, yeah. <laughs> I don't think yeah. we want to be seen on equal. I think we're inadvertently yeah. just going to push it into greatness, though, and all of a sudden, we <laughs> who knows what happens there. <laughs> anyway, moving on, this kind of freaks me out a little bit. So, uh, the third joke, Robin. Let's okay, the final joke. I'll end the torture of trying to like uh, emulate other people's delivery here. But um, we had a fantastic talk from John Thornton, senior creator at Surreal Serial, and a friend of the show and a friend of attention seekers um and he was talking about how no one goes on social media just to look at ads you actually go on it to look at dogs go up at nice food and that essentially means that as a marketer your biggest competition is actually dogs um, and so you've always got to think is this creative better than a dog do you think that is music to marketers ears or not, knowing that their competitors may, are, are dogs and not, not I mean, other advertisers? Yeah. Dogs aren't even trying and they're just out, <laughs> out, you know, doing better than all of us just by sitting there, really. Mm. Dogs are perfect, though, let's be honest. I think I really enjoyed that, that session from John Thornton, too, because his whole take on just subverting every social media marketing rule you can think of and just breaking it down purely for the sake of, of engagement, I think was a really interesting approach but then the proof was in the pudding when he was talking about how many times when he was at innocent drinks he'd just sit there responding to people in the comments on twitter late at night he was talking about how he's not getting paid for those those um overtime hours <laughs> but the engagement it got was just astronomical yeah he's he came on attention seekers before to talk about what he did at innocent and it, i mean it is it sounds like a lot of fun but it was on the podcast that he didn't believe that he was a performance marketer. And I went up to him at the end of his session. I said, do you now believe, speaking at a performance marketing event, that you are a performance marketer? 
And he said, I still don't really know what, what performance masters <laughs> do. Which I think probably a lot of the people in the room would agree that everyone's jobs are very different. Um, and they are very siloed and they are very, yeah. And I think that's one of the issues that comes across. I mean, um, I heard from Tom Kendall head of digital Amir at IBM and admittedly this is coming more from a B2B stance which as is an area I feel is overlooked um, in, perform- in the performance marketing space but one of the biggest sort of nods from the audience was when he talked about his job being the chief dot connector mm. and essential to his role was pulling out the opportunity gaps across the business to get more out of the data but it just struck to everyone and in fact what well, didn't one of our attendees temporarily change their job to, uh, job title on linkedin to chief, chief doc they have because they, they completely have, yes. resonated with that i know yeah. we're going to see a lot more uh recruiters are going to be looking for chief doc connectors now indeed yeah yeah, yeah. and actually one of the job roles that's, that's coming up more in this industry is connect head of connected performance which is one that sort of joins brand and performance and all those other areas and what's fascinating about tom's talk was he was essentially talking from a b2b perspective ibm a massive um across software and hardware solutions for businesses but his talk ap- absolutely applied to the b2c sector as well and absolutely. everyone was really, really yeah nodding along and joe do you have any what are your favorite takeaways from the event as well that you have to share? I had one that was reasonably interesting and it, it comes from... Just the, reasonably. <laughs> <laughs> it comes from the, the panel or the, the fireside sort of hybrid that I, that I chaired with Adam Freeman and Sam Pennington from Media Vision and New Look respectively. And that discussion was all about SEO and the importance of not just looking at it as a hygiene, a hygiene tool, but as something for your, your strategy. And it's a strategic tool. And I thought that was fascinating just because... Uh, Adam Freeman immediately got up at the beginning of, of his talk and identified in the crowd that a lot of people were sort of unsure about what SEO is and how to best utilize it. And I think that's just a general theme in marketing sometimes. And it was the first time that SEO was discussed at the event. It certainly wasn't something that came up frequently. And I just found it really interesting uh, to get some more insight into how to look at SEO differently. And I think something that's something a lot of marketers might have taken a lot from. So it certainly resonated with me. And in fairness, they are absolutely ideally placed to talk about this um, with the practice of doing as yeah, well. Um, the yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, um, both Media Vision and New Look contributed to a case study on performance marketing world talking about this exact thing and how it genuinely worked for New Look and the results that they saw from it. So it wasn't just talk. Sarah, then let's hear one of your favourite takeaways from the event? I think one that sort of encompassed everything was the sort of emphasis on people, which I know isn't strictly a performance marketing tactic or strategy Mm -hmm. or channel, but it just highlighted to me that how important the skill sets, the workforce is in this industry. And and what was heartening was how important our speakers felt about it. Um, Carolyn Harrison, head of digital marketing at HSBC, not personal baking, as was advertised (laughs) on the day. Um, (laughs) I know, but I mean, the session was titled The Cookie is Crumbling, so it it really couldn't have been more perfect. You couldn't have have made it up, could you? But in series, Caroline Harrison at HSBC constantly name-checked her teams around how they were trying to get ahead uh, of the cookie depreciation curve. And Sophie van der Weyken at Taos.com highlighted the emphasis on people in her role as affiliate influencer and partnerships manager and how important it was to have that those long-term relationships. Um, and finally, this whole idea around skills in performance marketing and, and Greg Levine at Vitality just looked at the audience and said, you are the future, you are your skills and your the importance of your skills is what's going to be the future. And I just think that 
that resonated very well across the piece. And in our upcoming workforce series, we'll be looking at this far more closely. I thought Greg's talk was really interesting and I th- you're completely right it really resonated with the audience um it was titled bridging the gap yeah because he you could see from the delegates in the room the 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 youth in the room he said you know I must be the oldest person here um <laughs> over the age of 40 or whatever to be fair he hasn't compared his age with me and Robin yet so <laughs> um, <laughs> but he but he was saying the importance of mentors and mentees and learning from people younger than you can teach you and uh, and I really liked his quote which was decisions should be made from places it will, I'll try to help you out Lucy yeah. from the place of highest knowledge yeah, rather no. than the point of seniority wasn't it that was it yes it was yes exactly it was, yeah. decisions should be made from places of knowledge not hierarchy that's it so there is our whistle stop tour from the editorial team about what happened at Unlocked But now you're going to hear from some of our speakers and delegates who were there that I spoke to over the two days to find out what is getting their attention, what they think is overrated, what they think is underrated. And we have a few interesting stories about what they have done for attention. But first, without further ado, let's hear from our first speaker, starting with Scott Guthrie, Director General at the Influencer Marketing Trade Body, on what's getting his attention. I'm the host of the Influencer Marketing Lab podcast, and I also write a weekly newsletter on influencer marketing. And so you are on our Attention Seekers episode, so we like to ask you, what is getting your attention at the moment? Three things, I'll say them really quickly disruption and diversification. Influencers, I think, are redefining what entertainment actually is. You look at Mr. Beast, he has the same viewing figures as a top 10 Netflix show globally. So what what is TV? Is it Netflix? Is it YouTube? Is it creator content? Is it highly polished content? He's also diversifying from generating revenue just from AdSense on YouTube and, and through brand collaborations. He's moved into selling burgers, selling chocolate, promoting charity and raising a lot of money in that, and also in education. So that's just one example. We're seeing a lot more creator-led and owned brands from KSI and Logan Paul to to, uh, Emma Chamberlain and Coffee to to a whole host of that. So that's something that's exciting me. The the other thing that's exciting me is uh, the length of an ad. How long should an ad be? Uh, and a couple of years ago, TikTok did some internal reporting and they said that anything over a minute, the viewers, the word was stressful, <laughs> anything over a minute, uh, consumers got stressed out by that. So it, it seems in an asthma that a couple of weeks ago, Hilton launched a 10 minute ad on TikTok. And that worked, you know, and the proof is in the pudding. It got, so far in the first two two weeks, it's got three and a half million views, half a million likes, and uh, 25,000 TikTok users have favorited. So who favorites an ad? So those are three things that I'm really uh, looking at and I'm excited about. There's been so many things happening in the last couple of weeks. I saw, yeah, we reported about the Hilton ad as well, but Mr. Beast, specifically, we've been watching because he's been... Uh, uh, laughing at advertisers in a way, especially when it comes to the Super Bowl, who are spending seven million for thirty seconds, and he's saying I can, you know, do it in a lot less. Um, but his he used quite simple marketing tactics in his videos to get people to stay and watch. So he's definitely an interesting person to watch at the moment. 
He certainly is, but it's a little bit meta because he was also in a huge, he was in a, a Super Bowl television <laughs> ad as well. Although oh, a, a cameo performance, so it's a little bit meta. I am talking with Kate from Brightford, and we would like to know what is getting your attention in the industry at the moment. I'm going to have to say paid search. I mean, oh. it has been really boring for 20 years <laughs> with Google just doing better and better and better and getting more and more market share. And actually, it's sort of interesting to see Bing shake it up a bit. Like, no one really knows how that's going to play out, but it's sure as hell is going to be super interesting to watch. And it's actually made paid search interesting again for once. Mm. I think Google need a bit of a... Something, you know, something to actually fight for. You know, Bing are giving them a little run for their money slightly. Yeah. So do you think it's uh, the two horse race has begun? I think it could be even more horses in that race, right? Mm. I think it opens up quite an interesting playing field. Mm. Like it's, we're calling it search wars. Well, what, <laughs> where's, the, where's the search wars gonna play out? So I read that if Bing get 1% market share, they make an extra 2 billion in revenue, right? And Google have 92% market share. So it's basically Google's race to lose and Bing's um, race to really figure out what the tactics are and it's going to be fascinating because everything Google do is going to be way more scrutinized mm. than Bing, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So actually, if you, um, you, you know the sort of the barred demo that went a little bit wrong for Google? Yeah. That was actually an incorrect error that ChatGPT were reporting, right? It was to do with, it was scraped from the internet and they were reporting the same error. Google got a lot more toasted for it. Mm. They've got a lot more to lose, basically. Mm -hmm. Well, it's good. Yeah, search wars for 2023 yeah. are going to be the theme, I think. I am Paul McIntyre uh, from uh, Creative PR Communications Agency, Here Be Dragons. What is getting my attention at the moment is what I'm sort of billing as sort of anti-advertising is the brands who probably have a, a great USP and purpose behind them, who understand what disruption is and which way consumers are behaving and are shunning the, the trappings of traditional advertising um, and exposure by coming up with uh, innovative, cute, cosy, um, well-informed, well-art-directed campaigns which don't actually have an amazing creative director behind them, aren't actually via agencies, are done in-house on tiny budgets um, and using uh, various algorithms across different channels, be that TikTok, be that LinkedIn, be that Instagram, be that YouTube, in order to reach their customers. Um, and they do that by understanding the human nature of advertising, yeah. right? There's a brand called Surreal, who I know is uh, uh, well known to performance marketing world. <laughs> they are shunning uh, all the uh, traditional models of reaching their consumers. Um, you know, they're very happy to say their ads are shit, right? And they were drawn in-house. And maybe they are, maybe they aren't. But there's thought behind how you actually drive conversation by getting people to comment and share the stuff they do. Because it doesn't feel like a brand. It feels like, it feels like a, a movement that you care about. I think that's the main point. None of them advertising from these companies feels like brand content because, or they're making it so aware that it is, it, you can see that it's coming from the people, which is what I find interesting about it. Community is so. everything, right? The brands that build community first and then brand second are the brands that win. Now that's not always possible because you've got to have a product in the market, some might say it's a bit chicken and egg to build a, uh, 
community. I'm founder of Silvertip Digital, which is a bespoke performance marketing agency based in Liverpool Street. So what has been getting your attention recently? I think the uh, attribution piece and the measurement piece. So uh, I think, you know, we, we work on lots of amazing businesses and the way that they measure their activity, they justify their media spend, they determine kind of where they're going to spend their budget across which platforms and when. Mm -hmm. how, they how they justify those decisions with their attribution and their measurement is like I think as some of the talks have said like still very much in like last click land mm. and when we were working digital when we were working PPC in like 2012 last click was kind of derided as this you know terrible way of measuring and yet 11, 11 years later we're still there so finding a solution to that and actually understanding how we can kind of mass market um, a measurement platform to kind of solve some of these issues it's got my attention. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I like last click land. You know, where are you hoping we're going to meet? Which land is next? I, th I think it'll be somewhere where uh, we can kind of look at all of the micro conversions and the different steps that customers take mm -hmm. in order to get to a converting journey as opposed to paid being responsible for like the end to end yeah, yeah, converting yeah. journey. All click, all view, all funnel land. Something, yes. something like that with a better ring, probably. Yeah, can I write <laughs> that down? That's amazing. <laughs> My name's Amy Kingham. I am Compliance Manager at Promo Veritas. What is getting your attention this week? So coming from a compliance background, obviously, I look at things from a slightly different angle. Um, and there's a lot of talk about greenwashing at the moment and brands making environmental claims that they can't substantiate enough. So Lufthansa this week got a, a ruling from the Advertising Standards Authority because they couldn't substantiate their claims about wanting to be better for the environment and how they're doing that. So. For me, it's really interesting. Obviously, environment is the forefront of everybody's mind, um, but it's about how those brands make those claims, particularly future aims and how they're, they're going to achieve them um, and the substantiation behind them, because there's many brands that probably aren't aware of the rules surrounding it. So it's very interesting that it's a new marketing trend um, and brands want to see to appeal to that, but there's a lot of, of uh, ways of falling foul of the rules and, and they're just not aware of them at the moment. Is it, I mean, you see it a lot of people jumping on purpose wagons mm -hmm. to, you know, get get the crowd involved. Um, but like you said, they've got to the, practice what they preach, especially if they are going to claim to be sustainable. But then even on their own, um, like supply chains, what they're doing are really bad for the environment. Mm -hmm. You've got to be inside and out on all the fronts, don't you? Exactly that. And it's making those carbon neutral claims. But is your entire process from manufacturing to getting to the shelf slash getting to your customers via even a delivery, mm -hmm. is the whole chain carbon neutral? Can you verify that? Have you got enough um, substantiation for it? And that's a difficult bit. It's, it's the substantiation of any claims. You've got to back it up with, with a lot of evidence and proof that that's exactly what you're doing, particularly when you're comparing yourself to competitor brands as well. Steve Overton, I run the solutions consulting team for Telium uh, for Northern Europe and Middle East and Africa. And what is getting your attention at the moment, Steve? I think depending on what vertical we talk to, so I think data clean rooms mm -hmm. are a real hot topic in terms of the conversations we're having with uh, like CPG customers and stuff. I think they're looking for it as a magic bullet um, to fix all their problems, but uh, yeah, I think there's a lot of space to go there, that with identity partners, um, how that will play out in Europe with privacy regulations is another matter, but uh, I think there's a lot of interest and a lot of um, motivation there to try and fix those problems, so that's quite exciting as to where that might be going and 
how that's going to help mitigate the loss of third-party cookies and all that sort of stuff yeah. in the near future. Boring topic, but it's getting my attention. My name is Mabina, and I work as the founder and owner of Community Fluence. And do you want to tell us a bit about what's getting your attention at the moment? So I think the biggest part for me is seeing how community is influencing purchases mm -hmm. um, and how we talk about basically like reviews and things like that and how that community altogether is essentially building a new way of like commerce where social commerce is becoming far more bigger part of our like ecosystem in general. Um, and I think that's a big part of where we're kind of going in terms of how you see search engines becoming almost redundant mm. um, in some places. Um, but a big part of that is also moving towards kind of building a socially first um, native kind of community based marketing strategy rather than thinking about it and then going back into it thinking about a section of it rather mm. than just having it on the side basically so I think yeah it's a big part of it. That's definitely the case I mean one thing to take away from this event is that I mean you know people are searching on social not search anymore that's definitely true isn't it? 100% I feel like that's a big part of where we're going with things because there's a lot more ways to interact with reviews that are done through video rather than on a like a blank piece of screen basically mm -hmm. so I think bringing those reviews out and actually making them a lot more kind of personable um, and a lot more tangible and having like a lot more different parts of rich media mm -hmm. essentially brings that all to life and allows people to really get the information that they want to get in a really kind of interesting and more engaging way. <laughs> And next we are hearing the speakers talk about what they think is overrated and underrated in the industry. What do you think is underrated and should be getting more attention than it currently is? Oh, see, I don't want this to come as a bit of a, like, a brand plug. Just delivered, the, obviously, a keynote speech at the, the Performance Marketing World Unlocked. And it was all about how prize commotions can enhance your campaigns. And that could be through um, brand partnerships, you know, Pringles partnering with Xbox to give away game passes and custom-made uh, consoles and stuff like that. But it's to do with that, prize promotions to engage with your consumers, either through click-throughs to get more engagement with your brand, to increase sales by giving everybody discount codes, but it's that kind of thing. Obviously, that's where I sit in terms of a background, so I, obviously I'm going to think it's underrated, but it's huge. When you engage your brands and you get them to understand the uh, impact that promotional marketing can have, then you know it, it really does unlock a lot of doors that other forms of marketing don't. I find it really exciting. I mean, I've just sat in a talk with um, John Thornton, I think it was the same time you were giving yours actually, um, when odd brands partner together, I find that really exciting. Like, um, I think they did Innocent Drinks and Heinz Baked Beans, yeah. or they did a Surreal Cereal and a Condom brand. And I think you can just have a lot of fun with partnerships like that, I guess. Yeah, um, Bloom Gin famously last year did Galentine's Day rather than Valentine's Day, and they partnered with Love Honey. And if you bought a bottle of Bloom Gin, you got a free sex toy and a scented candle. Um, and that was actually just so surreal for us it's not something we would never seen before um, fraught with difficulties in terms of keeping it compliant or at least <laughs> low risk but it was those kind of partnerships that really disrupt things and grab people's attention and it works it worked for them setting, setting people up for a very good valentine's day anyway <laughs> <laughs> whether they had a partner or not <laughs> i'm going to give i'm going to cheat on this answer and i'm going to say that de-influencing is both underrated and overrated okay. can you explain to us what de-influencing is De-influencing is, is when an influencer provides kind of negative reviews about a product. 
Is it a reaction to over-consumerism or is it a recalibration of what it is to be an influencer? So you know, in terms of the phrase, the influencing, we've heard a lot about it in the last few weeks, but it's not new. It's not a new phenomenon. It's at least eight years old. 2015, there was a big spike in talking about it on YouTube. That was the anti-hall. So, so it's not new. All that's changed is the, is the channel that it's on. So it's now on TikTok uh, and a colossal amount of views coalescing around that, the hashtag of the influencing. And so do you want to tell us a bit more about why you think it is underrated and, and or overrated? Well, it's overrated because all mainstream media seems to be talking about it mm. uh, and, and the trade press seems to be talking about it at the moment. But it's also underrated, I think, because it, it goes back to the, the central tenet of what influencer marketing is, and that's authenticity. So if uh, an influencer is being honest about what they think about a brand, then their community is more likely to agree uh, with that piece of content and find them more relatable. And let's hear your ratings of the industry. So what do you think is overrated and is getting too much attention at the moment? Well, I would have said the metaverse, but actually I think most of the industry is underrating that. So I think that is all for meta to play for. Mm -hmm. um, and actually, a lot of people are super excited by meta's announcement yesterday on how they're using AI and video mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. text to video formats. Yeah. And I think that is a potential game changer for meta. So yeah, I think maybe it was the smaller steps and going straight to the metaverse. And actually, that one, I think, is going to get them back in the game. What do you think is overrated at the moment? Okay, so ChatGPT is super interesting. So I've been playing with it. I've got a really small marketing team. There's three of us mm -hmm. and we are using it to increase velocity. And genuinely, when one of my team give me a ChatGPT blog, I'm like, oh, it's a ChatGPT blog. Yeah, you can tell. You can really tell. And actually, I think we need to be way smarter in how we're using it. And it isn't just about editing out the blandness. I think we need to figure out the prompts on ChatGPT. So actually, I've just asked my design agency to give me really good mid-journey prompts to get amazing illustrations out. And I think that's where it's going to be starting getting interesting, getting excellent expert users who know what they're talking about to write the prompts in a way that delivers amazing creative results. And Brightbird is an AI tech company. So what is your guys' perspective on all this generative AI? So, well, we use it in our model. So we use large language models and we test all of them. So if anyone, it's not just GPT-3, we test the meta AI model, we're gonna test Google when, the, when we can and it comes out. So we test all of them and we think some of them are better for certain jobs, right? And so we're constantly firing different tests at the large language models. Is one better at translation? Is one better at original Google ad copy. Mm -hmm. So we're really trying to figure that piece of the puzzle out. And then our next bit is we've built a big unsupervised machine learning um, model which handles bid optimization. So we sort of clip everything in to all that uh, and figure out what's going to make Google search work better or Bing search work better. So what do you think is overrated and gets too much attention currently? I think in terms of too much attention, I'd go with ChatGBT. Um, I'm just sick of every time I link going to LinkedIn or anywhere, every post is generated by GPT or every story references it. It's probably a really smart technology. I just think it's overhyped at the moment and just overexposed in the market. I'm sure it will settle down. But um, yeah, funny enough, I was just listening to a, 
another presentation and they said that the chat GPT was basically on par with a hedgehog at the moment in terms of the algorithm so maybe we should put it into perspective <laughs> as to where we're at. I am Niall, I'm from 1749. And what do you think is underrated? So what are you going to give a bit of a spotlight to right now so and give it some attention? I think it's probably my own bias towards this and it's kind of what 1749 specialises in is the uncertainty in measurement. So you'll hire a, a marketing consultancy or do your own media measurement and go, you know, my ROI is X, it's performing like this. And obviously we need to attach a measure to something that's definitive. But there's always uncertainty with that. And when you're planning something, it's always good to know the uncertainty behind it. So you can really hedge risk. So TV might do this well, it might not do as well. This channel might not do as well. Might, you know, that's, and then essentially you can plan media budgets accordingly, factoring in the full uncertainty and making sure that you're essentially hedging your bets and making the right decision. I don't know whether this is going to be a controversial take, but I'm going to go with Performance Max as being slightly overrated. I think there's still a lot of advertisers that kind of want to have the control and the insight that we used to get from smart shopping campaigns and before that regular shopping campaigns. And so I feel like the incremental uh, like um, feature releases that we're getting from Google is a sort of admission that maybe they went too hard, too fast on the automation yeah. side and actually uh, managed automation using AI as tools as opposed to a competitor mm -hmm. um, is something where we will eventually get to. I'm Matt, so I also work at Silvertip Digital. I think generally creative, I think is very underrated as a, as a a tool of marketing uh, mm -hmm. in digital marketing I think there's a lot of focus on sort of like data and audiences and targeting and that's great but at the end of the day if you don't have good creative and a, a good sort of content strategy then all of that's useless you know it's just that like you're putting rubbish in front of people and they're not mm -hmm. gonna actually buy something so I think creative and having a bit of a strategy and, and using a lot of the tools out there to generate a lot of content that's what's going to actually get people the best performance in the next sort of like few years mm -hmm. um, and with that I think you know they need to be using things like AI tools like different things like chat uh, GPT to try and create content strategies but also trying to just do different things and like get out of their comfort zone and just experiment and when you do that all of the targeting and, and everything that just like comes as second nature afterwards, mm -hmm. but you got to do something that's a little bit standout and, and attention seeking. Well, do you think then that um, performance marketers are well more becoming more welcoming to the fact that creative is important as brand and performance is becoming, the lines are becoming blurred as we've heard so many times today and before. Um, uh, do you think uh, performance marketers need to be more creative as well as growth and data driven as well? Yeah. 100%. I think a lot of um, uh, a lot of sort of you know brand has always been led by the creative messaging, and then sort of you know it's always been sort of looked upon badly by performance marketers of old, and you know a little bit snarky and stuff like that. So, but you know brand creates a lot of uh, long-term growth. Things like Google Ads and Facebook Ads, you know, retargeting things like that, they create a lot of short-term uh, sales and things. But you know, you've got to actually, you know, believe in sort of having a good creative message. You've got to be able to measure that in the way that it's supposed to be done as well. Awesome. And who is your favourite performance marketing publication? <laughs> performance marketing world, of course. You know. <laughs> And finally, we are hearing about how these speakers decided to tell me the most ridiculous things that they've done for attention. And I've started realising that 
grabbing people on the floor, people are quite open. I think they don't quite realise that this is going live. So here are the stories that are now public for the world to know. Can you tell me a time when you have done something completely ridiculous for attention? <laughs> Where do I start? <laughs> uh, uh, sadly, yes. Um, so we deliver lots of training sessions for brands and agencies etc and one of them was about sports marketing Mm -hmm. and we had a guest speaker who was talking about all her favorite women-led marketing campaigns to do with sports and so she was talking about the very influential this girl can campaign and how women were taking sweaty selfies and promoting you know raw and natural and athletic looks and brilliant and then she introduced me so I get up in front of 80 to 100 people with the opening line of Speaking of sweaty women, um, <laughs> and it kind of fell a little bit dead on the floor, but it's fine. I rolled with it. <laughs> Went down like a lead balloon, I'm assuming. Yeah, pretty pretty much. But it's fine. I moved on somehow, um, regained a little bit of composure, uh, avoided the awkward embarrassment and carried on. It's about knowing our audience, isn't it? <laughs> that wasn't yeah. the time. So I guess I'm in the earned media space. I've always tried to get my brand's attention. My previous career to that before I went into starting my own agency was I was a club promoter from Manchester University and me and my friends, uh, there's our sort of side hustle while we weren't doing academia and um, <laughs> me and my friends launched a, cr- a club night called Romp, R-O-M-P and it was very uh, suggestive and a very kind of anything goes club night. Yeah. And, you know, to promote this we had to get attention we, and, and so we stripped naked and uh, we each, um, embla- there was four of us, and we each emblazoned a letter, R-O-M-P, onto our naked chests. And we stormed the university lecture halls and the students' union, um, completely stark bullet naked, um, apart from a little thong. Obviously. Yeah, so our integrity was intact, <laughs> just about. Was it? Yeah, slightly. <laughs> Depends on which way you looked at us. Yeah, oh gosh. Um, and we leaked it to the local press and managed to get on the front page of various newspapers. And that was a attention-seeking device. Uh, and the club night was full. I was going to say, did them. it work? It did w- Was it all worth it, stripping down to, to a thong for? It worked. I have some, I have some rashes and some burns from the oh whole no. experience still, but um, uh, it worked. We, it, there was people queuing around the corner, so the device worked. Hi, I'm Frankie Attill. I'm a fractional CMO and founder of Attribution Lab, helping companies with media mix modelling. I was a contestant on the UK's least popular dating TV show of all time, 11 years ago. It had an unfortunate name of called The Love Machine. And it was cancelled after one season on Sky Living HD Plus. And you cannot find it on YouTube anymore. How, how far did you get in the show? No, it was just, it was just the one episode thing. Um, but I did have to go to off-season off Cyprus for the date. Did you come away with love? No. <laughs> no, at all. She wasn't a fan. Thank you very much for listening to our podcast where we have unpacked, unlocked. Please don't forget to like, follow, subscribe, whatever you can to keep up to date with the podcast and the upcoming episodes to be the first to find out who is seeking attention in the industry. We'd also like to give a massive thank you to our sponsors of the event, Impact.com, Performix, Crowd, Making Science, Assembly Global, Brightbid, Rakuten Advertising, Vive, Nucleus, Telium, Media Vision, Segment Stream, Promo Veritas, Wavemaker, MEI Digital and the DMA, without which the event wouldn't have happened. To find out more about our upcoming events, news, analysis, 
everything from performance marketing world, head to our website and register or subscribe to get the latest news from the industry at performancemarketingworld.com. Thank you and see you in our next episode.